Welcome to episode 10 of The Process, Value. Welcome to episode 10 of The Process. I am Quavon Taylor. And I'm Amante Martin. Uh, today we have Todd Boyd on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Todd. Appreciate y'all boys having me up here, man. So, hey, can you tell the people about where you're from? All right, yeah, man. So, Todd Boyd. I uh, was born in Albany, Georgia. Grew up in the Hampton Roads part of, of Virginia, so... You know, just a little background information on that particular area. It's plentiful with talent. Um, you know, I grew up seeing certain guys, man, so much talent. So for us, you know, being in that situation, it wasn't always the best of circumstances from a monetary standpoint. But we saw so many of those top tier players floating around that we knew that we could make it out as kids. So you got like Mike Vick from that area, uh, Ronald Curry, Al Iverson, Lawrence Taylor, Bruce Smith. E.J. Mayo, Percy Harvin, Tyrod Taylor, Marcus Hagens. I mean, it's it's Mike Tomlin, B.W. Webb. I mean, this guy's all over the place, man. And you know, the one common theme for all of us is that if if Big Dog can do it, I can do it too. And I think that was the whole message behind that. And so for us, man, seeing that growing up, it just gave us clarity that if we wanted to put that time and effort into it, we could find a way to make it happen. At and you're present in that moment. You don't think anything else can be different than that. And uh, for, for us, man, it was just, you know, it was a beautiful thing, man. And it was all, all we saw around us was just hard work. And nobody around us was wealthy. None of the parents made it a really good income, but they all had that common love for us to go out there and try to be the best that we possibly could be, man. So I'm just, I was thankful to have certain people in my life growing up. And, you know, I was thankful to grow up in that area because I think if I wasn't there, I don't know how that necessarily would have played out for me as a particular person or player. Wow. When, when did you uh, start playing football? 
mean, I started playing tackle at seven years old, you know. Wow. Played left What'd guard, you... played left guard and DN. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, did you start off at quarterback? Uh, like, what goes into, you know, becoming that, you know, you know, when you watch recruiting, you follow football. Yeah. You see the five star, you see the big name quarterback. What goes into, you know, honing in on your craft at a young age to become that athlete? Um, man, I think like with any position or you know anything that you want to you want to you know be a professional in, or even just want to make the most out of it, you know you got to find a way to separate yourself. Um, man, I, there were certain things that I wanted to do. I wanted to go hang out at every party and. You know, I wanted to go date this girl. I wanted to do that, but I also realized like that, or the people around me realized that for me, that, you know, there was only so much time. You can't do everything. So if this is what you want to do, then you got to do it. And while you're, while it might seem like it, it sucks now that you can't do all of that, in the back end, you'll reap the rewards of it. So. You know, you sacrifice what you want now for what you want later by, by the time and effort and energy that you put into the craft. And man, I learned that at such a young age. So, you know, for me, I was always in focus, man. I was always locked in and, you know, it seemed like, I, you know, I wanted to hang with the homies and all that, but I also knew that, man, you know, I got one opportunity to try to make the most of it. And, um, you know, I was just fortunate to, to have my dad push me at such a high level and have coaches around me push me at that level. Uh, because again, I mean, nobody's success is their own. I mean, there's so much that goes into it, so many different factors into it that, you know, if I don't have that, then I'm not where I am anyway, so. Yeah, I mean, you did hone in on it, you know, uh, in high school. Yeah. How, how, how did the uh, recruiting process pick up for you? How was that process? Well, recruiting was, I mean, I had an interesting story with that. I mean, like in high school, I went to a high school in Virginia Beach at first. Uh, my freshman year, I went to a school called Lancetown. And at Lancetown, uh, it was a pretty stacked team. Um, I, that was with Percy Harvin, who ended up obviously going to Florida and being a powerhouse over there and, and just a dominant player in all of college football. Uh, on that same team, they had a guy named Damon McDaniel, who went to play Florida, wide receiver at Florida State. Uh, they were both seniors, and I was a freshman. And essentially, man, the head coach, um, his name was Chris Beatty. He ended up going to, let's say, Maryland at that time to go coach. So when he left, you know, I kind of, I didn't really know what to do. I was kind of in limbo. So my dad really made that decision for me. And, um, you know, Virginia Beach, you know, it got rough parts to it, but it's still kind of preppy too, you know? So yeah. <laughs> um, when I went across to, you know, essentially my dad told me where I was going to the next hospital. He said, you're going to Phoebus. And uh, I remember going up to Phoebus, and I had like some Jordans and stuff, you feel me? But them boys was, man, eyeing me down. I thought I was gonna get everything taken from me. <laughs> you know, the weight room, man, we didn't have, because the last time everything was state of the art was a brand new high school. Phoebus, man, it was, I mean, it was just it was just Phoebus, you know? We lifted in a cage. Um, that was the weight room. You know, there was no hardwood on the gym floor. It was all rubber mats, like old wrestling mats. We had we had no windows at the high school. Um, it was surrounded by this neighborhood called the PJs. And essentially, man, one summer, it was like six murders out there. So I'm sitting there like, damn, I'm going from Virginia Beach over here to the damn trenches out here. And yeah. uh, it could I mean, it couldn't have been the best move that, 
that I could could have ever made. I mean, it was a it's an unbelievable experience for me. You know, I started my sophomore year, uh, man, just surrounded by some some good dudes, man, just guys that that really wanted to win and knew what it took to do that. My high school coach was unbelievable, and uh, my first year starting, man, we won a state championship, and. You know, throughout my high school career as a starter, I ended up being 43 and two, and won two state championships over there. So, um, loaded with talent, man. Had an unbelievable high school career. Um, my recruitment was was interesting because Boston College was essentially the first school that offered. It was like after my sophomore year of high school, but we didn't throw the football my sophomore year. We only threw the ball like eight times a game. Well, and um, my dad would send me to all these camps, you know, kind of get me out there. Junior year, I started to really throw the ball, and that's when the offer started coming in. So that's when Virginia Tech came in, Virginia, North Carolina, Maryland, most of the ACC teams um, outside of Clemson. And then that year, I went to the Elite 11, did all that, you know, committed to Tennessee under Fulmer. He ended up getting fired. That was a whole deal in itself. So I'm starting my senior year of high school. My junior year, we had just lost in the state semis. Um, so, you know, that offseason was a ground for us because we wanted another opportunity and another crack at playing them boys. So it was just a lot of effort put into that, man. In the second game of the year, high school, I tore my ACL. And it was on a bus to play. So I slants. I try to make a cut. Cut goes wrong. Blow it out, man. And um, at that time, I mean, I was, I was so hurt, man, because that's, you know, that's everything that we worked for the whole summer down the drain. You know, and I'm looking at yeah. my eyes, man, and I go to practice, and and, and I'm sitting there, and I, I'm sitting there, I'm like, I can't take it. So, I uh, ended up going to the doctor, <clears throat> um, and he was like, Look, man, you you know, you already got offers coming in. There's no re- need to really do it. But for me, it's always been bigger than me. You know, I looked at those guys around me and realized how much time that they put into the to the craft too. And I ended up playing, man. I ended up playing 15 games. And uh, we won a state championship that year, man. Um, it was the last addition to the Army All-American game. I won MVP of that. So, I mean, it was... I mean, I don't know if I can go back and play on it again. I wouldn't go back and play 15 games with a torn ACL now. You feel me? No. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't advise that. At the particular time, though, man, like, that's that's all I knew, man. And I, I didn't want to let my guys know, so... Uh, really, man, it was, you know, collaborative effort. They used to take care of me, and we kept it under the radar, so nobody knew it was torn until, until after everything was over with, so. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I have to ask, I have to ask. So, you know, like I said, I spent summer up there uh, in the 757. Yeah, man. And all you hear about is the – so I'm a Florida Gator fan. I go to the University of Florida right now, so I'm a big Percy Harvey fan. So you hear about um, the Percy. So, so I hear about his person, but I heard about all the quarterbacks. I mean, you had Michael Vick, Marcus Vick, uh, yep. what was the other Tyrod Taylor, all Virginia Tyron, Tech, EJ. So, it's so a why. So why why not Virginia Tech? Why Clemson? Uh, man, honestly, man, I just since I wasn't born in Virginia, even though you know I kind of pledged my allegiance to Virginia, it was never really a thing for me to stay. And at that particular time, man, Tyrod was there. He already had his mark there. I didn't necessarily want to go and wait. Uh, same thing with Florida State, man. When EJ was committed to Florida State, I was going to take an official up there, but I mean, EJ was, was pretty much locked in stone over there. So 
uh, Clemson wasn't even supposed to happen, dog. Like, the story is so long on how this even played out. But essentially, I was committed to Tennessee. Uh, the AD, athletic director at a particular time, um, you know, was addressing some of the rumors that were floating around that former was going to be fired. And he said, oh, it's not going to happen. You know, blah, blah, blah. Long story short, fam, I commit. Uh, two weeks later, one of my homeboys called me like, yo, you see, you seeing this on TV? Former got fired, so he was out. Wow. And I'm sitting there like, man, you know. Um, and then I opened up my recruiting, and I was pretty much down to Ohio State and Oregon. And Oregon was a dope visit, man. It was just so far. It had almost got snowed in out there, man. Like, <laughs> I legitimately flew out there. First off, bro was like, yeah, we got southern food out here. Man. And then they got, like, the lamb and, like, the, the macaroni that don't taste like grandma macaroni. So it was trash. You said, the uniforms was dope, but I, I couldn't do it out there. And then Ohio State was live, man. Like, the reason I even wore number 10 anyways in high school was because of Troy Smith. Yeah, Troy Smith. And, um, man, I go there. And they got the 10 jersey laid out next to the Heisman Trophy. And they was like, look, man, we was going to retire this number. But if you come, we're going we're gonna to go ahead and let you rock it. And uh, it was so hard not to say yes to that. You know, Terrell Pryor was my host. You know, so he pull up in the brand new Nissan 350C. I don't know what they're paying over there. You know, I'm sitting there like something <laughs> going on. And uh, I had a great time on a visit. And, um, you know, when I played in the Army All-American game, is when I met a couple of guys who ended up current, I mean, at that particular time at Clemson being my teammates. One of them was running back, Rob McDowell. Other one was the defensive end named Malachi Goodman. And, um, you know, they knew I was uncommitted. And they called one of their coaches who called the tight ends coach who knew my high school coach. And that was kind of their end because I had shut down recruit, period. I had one more visit I was going to take, and that was going to be to Michigan. So the four visits I originally took were West Virginia, Tennessee, Ohio State, Oregon, and then it was going to be Michigan. And that was just going to be for the hell of it because I knew I wasn't going to Michigan either. Um, so it really was, was Ohio State, you know. And um, Sweeney came in, man, and um, finally got in the door. And just to be honest, man, like he was just the realest one. And I think the, all of those other coaches had substance to him. But, you know, at the same time, like, you can't fake genuine, you know. Yeah. And um, and Coach Winnie was just that. He didn't come up there and make promises or say, you know, what we're going to do. He was like, look, man, because like, I can't tell you what I've done as, as a head coach because I haven't. I can't promise you that I'm even going to be here years from now. But he was like, I promise, man, you'll be my first quarterback recruit, my first recruit class as a head coach. If you come here, we can do something special together. He was like, and I can't tell you that you're going to start right now, but you're going to have the opportunity and essentially, man, like, he told me where he came from. And, you know, Coach Winnie, um, I mean, he was poor, man. Grew up, man, um, really dysfunctional family. Dad was alcoholic. He uh, walked on at Alabama. You know, mom lived with him while he was at the university. So, you know, she was in the dorm room with him, you know. Um, and God just went through a lot of turmoil in his life, you know, just every which way. And essentially, man, he had every excuse he could have made in his life, but he didn't. And I've always, in my mind at least, been kind of a big picture guy. And it, to me, it was like, all right, I can go anywhere and become a better player. 
but who's going to help me become a better person? And I can't take advice from somebody who hasn't been where I want to go anyways. So to me, that was really what t- pushed it over the edge. And, um, you know, my mom really liked him and everything else of that nature. So he didn't give me any empty promises or anything else of that nature. Um, I just knew I wanted to be a part of something. Like all those other universities were already established and they had big, great things. And I just wanted to go somewhere where I could leave my stamp and really leave a legacy. And, um, you know, that happened to be, happened to be a Clemson, you know. So Taj, uh, how was the transition from high school to college? Um, you know, I, you know, for me, man, like just being so focused in high school, you know, I know what I wanted to do. Um, the, the transition was kind of tough at the beginning um, because one man, I had tore my ACL and I was rehabbing the whole time, so I wasn't exactly playing. So, man, I had put in all this time to train thinking I was going to get an opportunity, but man, realistically, I wasn't ready. And much like a lot of freshmen that we was all talking about transferring, like, hey, where, where we going, man? We're going to do this together, kind of deal. And uh, knowing that probably wouldn't have been the best situation for us. I mean, outside of that, just kind of the partying, you know, just getting together with the guys, not understanding that one drink shouldn't turn into 25. You feel me? You didn't, I mean, it's everything. I mean, it's, it's like uh, you go and, and everything's kind of, you know, wide open. And at that particular point, man, it's up to you to figure out what you want to do with it. And either you can get lost in, in that whole situation and what college is and kind of get trapped or you're going to find your way and figure out, you know, that you got to make the most of this four years here. Um, and, uh, man, I had some had some fun my first couple of years, you know, and then I had essentially, you know, going to my sophomore season, I, I didn't have too good of a spring. And kind of, I think what really did it for me was, you know, the office coordinator at the time said, look, man, he said, you're a good player, but it's not good enough. And he was like, look, if you can't figure out what you want to do or if you can't get it done on the football field, I'll, I'll find somebody that will. And uh, he just told me straight like that. So I was like, damn, man, it's time to get right. So and just really took that extra incentive because I can't explain or I can't tell my guys to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. So. You know, you start to realize that you can't lead from the back. And if you're going to do it, then you got to do it. You got to exemplify everything that you want them to see. And, you know, I, I just wanted to be that, man, all the way throughout, you know, from the way I talked to the way I dressed and everything else of that nature. So, um, you know, it was, a, it was a great change of pace over there. Um, you know, my sophomore year, the first time we had won 10 games in 20 years. So for, for us, I mean, a lot of the chips that were created – I mean, we were a part of all of that, so I mean that's kind of special when you really break it down and look at it and, and see where this program is now and, and, and where it's headed, you know, because obviously it doesn't look like it's slowing down by any stretch. Man, that's real, and that's what I respect the most about you. Um, from the day I met you, you always displayed a good class, you know, and I, I commend you on that. Uh, and that, leading on to my next question. What advice would you give to recruits going into the recruiting process and thinking about committing to a school? What advice would you give them? Hey, the same thing with this podcast called, man. Just trust the process. You know, um, I had a, I had a former coach reach out to me and ask me if I could talk to a recruit. 
And I was like, yeah, man, you know, I'm on the phone. And I think he thought I was going to tell him what I wanted him to hear. You feel me? And that's not that's not in my best interest. That's not in that kid's best interest. And, and the one thing I told him is that, look, bro, you know, whatever school you go to, regardless of the situation, it's going to be you up there. It's going to be you that's getting booed. It's going to be you that's coming back to the sideline alone. It's going to be you that's having to wake up at 5.30 in the morning. So all of these people that you got in your ear telling you to go here, go there, go wherever, at the end of the day, they're not there with you. So, you know, if you don't make that decision for you, you'll always look back and blame somebody else for the shortcomings if it doesn't work out the way you want it to. But if you do it for you, all you can do is own up to the man as man and say, you know, I made this decision and this is how it's going to play out from here. So, you know, I think that's one of the things now is, man, some of these kids, you know, they get coddled and told where to go and what to do. And they never feel like it's really them that's making the decision. You know, they feel like they're just robots and somebody else is doing the controlling. And until these kids start making decisions for their own, for their own they'll never be accountable for, for the things that they do. So, um, you know, accountability is a huge thing, especially going into college. So, you know, for all of these kids, man, like whatever you do at the end of the day, good, bad, different, whatever, you got to own up to it, man, and, and be a grown man because that's what it's going to take, you know, because those guys that you're running across from every week, them boys grown men out there too. Some of them got kids and they're trying to feed them and everything else. And those guys that's your teammates, they, they're, stuck, they're banking on you to go ahead and get the job done because, man, they got they're trying to eat too and they're trying to they're trying to feed people and, and they're trying to win championships. So um, one thing that's so different from high school and college is that it is big boy ball, and it's not just you that you got to worry about. It's it's those other ten guys that strapping up with you every week. You're right. It's big boy football. Speaking of college football, um, you know the college football season is about to start. Yes, sir. Uh, what are what are players thinking right now? What what is it like to uh, get ready for the season opener? Man, you know it's you know I guess on the different stages. You know you got all these kids who got all these followers on Instagram, and they're like, oh, I can't wait to post a pic on the gram. So man, I can't wait to do that. But <laughs> man, they. They don't realize how, how nervous they're going to be stepping into that arena for the first time. And I don't care if you're playing, you know, Furman or if you're playing Southern Cal. Like, you're going to have them, man, because, you know, this is just a different energy. And there's a lot more than any other place these kids have been. For the seniors, the seniors that's just now stepping up, man, and like, it's just now starting to sink in and settle in that this is the last go round. For the last two, three years, they might have been bullshitting. Now they're sitting there like, oh, man, this is it. And either they put the work in to prepare for this moment to be ready for it, or they wasted their time and they're trying to catch up to it. So, you know, I think for all of them, man, they should really just try to enjoy it. I think in hindsight, man, going back to it, if I could do one thing, it would be to enjoy it. Because, you know, my senior year going into the season, it was, you know, my – top 10 mock drafts or Heisman finalists and I took all that into account and really made it so much business like that I forgot why I was damn playing Dang. I mean I had to go and sit in the park watch a little league team practice and just remember what fun looked like you know Yeah. and um, you know you look at it and say man 
for what? You know, it's a, it's a kid's game, man. You know, and you just the older you get, the more you get to do it. And, you know, you just got to embrace it, man, and enjoy it and realize that at some point it ends for us all. It's just a matter of when. So you might as well enjoy it and make the most of it while you can. You're right. And, and you touched on this question I want to ask a little bit. Your era as a Clemson quarterback kind of set the stage for the national championship team now. Uh, how was it competing at a high level and to get the you know Clemson brand to where it is now? I mean, it was, it was pretty special, man. And, you know, so I get, so I mean, living here in South Carolina, man, like, I feel like I'm damn near next to the mayor. You know, I still can't even really go out and eat there or anything else of that nature. <laughs> and everywhere I go, man, it's always thank you. Oh, thank you for this. Or, man, you started it. And, like, that's cool. But I, I done been through that whole validation period, you know, where I felt like somebody needed to say it to me. Yeah. And, I, and, and for me, man, like, it, it was never that. I never did it for that. I was just trying to do my job, bro, and, and try to do the best that I could. And for us, at that particular point, we did what we could. Now, obviously, everything we did was a first as well. You know, first time going eight and zero, first time going to an Orange Bowl. Or, so I mean, it was all it was all new to us. And I think now, well, a lot of these kids, the expectation is different, and it's just a different time. You know, it's national championship or bus kind of deal, and that's yeah. you hate it because it's a lot of pressure and a lot of expectations. But that's just the state of the program, and you know, I think that. For that, for their sake, they've recruited players that can handle that energy and emotion. But you know, they got—I mean, they got to do it every day. They got to do it in the classroom. They got to do it off the field. I mean, they got to hold themselves like champions throughout that this whole experience. And some of them will be able to handle it, and some of them won't. But you know, this is football is different, dog. And, and everybody's just not built for it, man. You hate it because. You know, you wish you could play forever, but you can't. So, man, you just try to take that, the experience that you had. And all we can do is, is leave what we had. So, if I did it for you, you don't have to do it again. You feel me? If I've already took that L, if I already made that mistake, you know, I got arrested like two years ago. And, you know, I went to go speak to some kids. And, and the coach was like, don't ask me. And I said, ask me. Why would you not ask me? I'm the one that did it. I mean, it could have been anything, but I made that decision. So, you know, you got to be accountable for it, man. It's whatever. But my story, I hope at least that it impacts somebody else and they won't have to go through the same thing that I've been through, you know? So after your, after your senior year, you know, you had an amazing career at Clemson. Uh, what was the process like preparing for the NFL? Well, for me personally, man, like, I mean, it wasn't as smooth as I wanted it to be, you know, um, because I mean, you know, obviously going into that season, my senior year, I mean, I was regarded as one of the top NFL prospects coming out, coming into the year. But you know, as soon as the season ended, man, I, I felt I felt myself just trying to defend myself and, and validate to these damn coaches why I was still one of those players and. It's rough, man, because you're taking, I mean, literally, you know, 15, 16 years of ball and trying to explain to people, like, bro, like, this is what I do, man. So, you know, it, it was kind of, it was tough for me, man, just the whole process because, you know, I had, had been this guy and, 
you know, people, you know, in, in their eyes, like, oh, he's the guy. And then when it came down to it, man, you know, draft scouts were like, oh, you know, you know, we don't know if he can do it at this level. We don't know if it's the system. And you're like, damn, bro, like, this is what I've been doing since I was a kid. Man, you're saying that you don't know if I can do it, you know. And, I mean, it's, I think it's a little bit different for everybody, but it kind of, it was, it's kind of, it sucked, man. And it hurt and everything else in nature, but, all I could do is just try to continue to put the work in and try to prove that I, I could play at that level and be one of those guys and really just prove to myself, man, like, you know, this is what you wanted since you were a kid. And if this is what you want, then, you know, what are you willing to do to get there? So, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of training, you know, that's where I met, uh, K down there, um, over at, at Tony Villani's XPE on Boca. And, uh, you know, it's a lot of talent down there, man. A lot of, a lot of firepower, a lot of star power. And, you know, you're sitting there, and, you know, you're trying to figure out who's agent is what. And, you know, it started to become like a, like a pump your, pump your chest kind of, kind of deal. And, like, damn who you got representing you, who you got backing you, you know, what's the money behind you and all of this other stuff. So, you know, everything that you played just because you loved it became everything else. It was a chess match. And there are so many different, you know, things that went into it um, from the representation that you did pick to where you trained at. There were so many different factors that went into, you know, how I was going to help you transition to that next level. Like, all you want to do is play ball, but you do have to worry about everything else. Because in their eyes, it, it counts. And that was the hard part is because you're taking everything that's, that's always been in your hands and now you're putting it in some scouts' hands that only watch you from afar. And they've never seen the actual amount of work and energy and time that you put in to, to being the best that you possibly can, you know? So, so you know, I was, I was thinking, when you think about recruiting, you think about combines, you think about the stars, you know what I mean? You become, um, your value is in the numbers. And, and yeah. The stars, your 40 time, how high you can jump, how fast you can run. Right. Um, um, from afar, I know Todd Boyd as number 10 at Clemson. Right. You know what I mean? But I know Todd Boyd is much more than that. And your value becomes, like I said, the national championship uh, foundational layer at Clemson and you know but as time goes on and you know and football passes you know who is Todd's boy and how did how was that transition from playing football to you know to I guess being aware of your value oh man I think that's what that's what took me the longest to get through um you know man I was I was I was in a dark place for a long time man uh for about two years and Really, it was that, the self-worth and the validation. And when I sat down, man, and I sat down with like some psychologists, man, and really, at the end of the day, I really just needed to sit down myself and just be honest with myself. And then I realized that it wasn't what I expected of me. It wasn't that I let myself down. I felt like, for me, it became, what did the people that expected something from me believe and you know did I let them down did I let everybody else that had you know spent time to sacrifice and did everything else to help me succeed 
you know, so it was the expectations that I created for them that I thought they thought of me, if that makes sense. So I think that was the biggest thing is that I was, I was, you know, killing myself every day, man. Just drinking and, you know, just, just killing myself, literally, man. Just couldn't handle it. And, um, you know, I'm not like a super emotional dude, you know. So I sat down. I sat down with Coach Sweeney, and uh, I'm crying. And he's like, what, what's wrong, man? You know, I'm like, man, I, you know, essentially just felt like like what I did in my whole life didn't matter. Nothing mattered because because I wasn't out there throwing touchdowns or I wasn't out there. And it was that I didn't know how to fulfill myself anymore. So for a long time, man, it even took me, it took me about two years to watch football. And it wasn't that I was... And it was it was hard because I you know, I got friends of mine that I was like I wouldn't even really turn holler them like that. It wasn't that I was like jealous or envious. It was that I couldn't even put myself to be around it because I felt like I should have been there, you know. And um, you know I kind I just got through that, you know, this past year, and I really just became aware of 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 me being me and me trying to trying to succeed in everything that it is and you know, I found a lot of, of love in that within the community you know starting my foundation and giving back to people and pouring back because you start to realize how blessed you are um, there was a book for me man it's, it's called How to Sit by a Buddhist monk his name is Thich Nhat Hanh alright and he talks about breathing and he was like you know everybody's breathing but not everybody's breathing because they realize that realize that every breath they take is a celebration in itself and for me it did a lot for me man just because I am thankful and I should be appreciative of everything and you know even though days are hard for me sometimes because everywhere I go it's everything that I've, I've accomplished or thought I accomplished you know even if even as I'm trying to transition and continue to grow as a businessman or as a person or just a human being you know, it's always those reminders of what you've done. And so you feel like you're you're living in that every day. So that was hard for me for a while. And it kind of still is. But, man, I'm just, you know, you start to realize that if I didn't have that, then I don't impact those people either. So it's kind of like a, like a, a raw deal there. It's kind of like a two-way street. But, you know, you get to, you get to hang it up, man. You reshuffle that thing, man. You just stand up on two feet. Put the 10 toes down, you just keep going every day. And, and know that everything that you, you've done and continue to do is worth it. Because it may not just be for you, but it may be for the next person. So, I mean, that's just kind of where I am right now, man, mentally at least. Man, I ain't gonna lie, Taj, man. You, hey, I, I, I know exactly what you're going through, man. I done been there uh, to the lowest, lowest, man. I see all yeah. my boys, you know what I'm saying? They balling in the league, man. They doing what they supposed to do. So, you know, I could feel, I could feel you feel like, I mean, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's just a lot you deal with mentally. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. And it's for the love of the game. That yeah. Because you one of the guys that really love the game, you know what I'm saying? And, for sure. And I mean, like, yeah, like you, I mean, it's always, man, you just continue to battle them, them demons. And, and I mean, you just got to, that's the tough part because I mean nobody talks about it, you know. And I know people feel like that, but it's always like, no, I'm good. And deep down, you're like, I'm not really good at all, you know. I'm, yeah. I'm hurt right here. You feel me? Yeah. You know. I mean, you want to root the homies on, and, and like I'm proud, bro. I'm so proud of each and every one of them, man. But it was, it was so hard for me for a while, man. Just to, 
because I can't fake it, man. I can't be like, nigga, I'm happy. I'm, yeah. I want to be out there with you, you know? So it's kind of what yeah. it is. You know, so. Yeah. You love the game for real, man. Yeah, man. Deep love for the game. But on the podcast, it was one dude, he got on the podcast, and he said, I, I don't know if you remember this table. He said, uh, you can't, you can, you can never love something that don't have a heart or something he said like that. And that struck with me right there. Mm. Tay, you remember what I'm talking about, Tay? Yeah, he said, you can't uh, love anything that won't love you back. <laughs> yeah. Can't yeah, that's real. Any last words you would like to leave with the viewers? Yeah, man. Um, you know, I had a friend of mine say, give people something good to live up to, something great. And they usually will. And um, you know, I think that's that's what us on our on our everyday journey. Um, you know, whether it's with our spouse or whether it's with our family members, or whether it's just the people that we interact with on a daily basis at the job or, or kids in the community. You know, because so many times, man, like we place these limitations on somebody just because you might not see if you can't see yourself necessarily doing it. So you're like, you know what? If I can't do it, they can't do it. And if we continue to do that on a daily basis and limit people around us, then we actually limit ourselves too. So even if something seems like such a great feat or it seems impossible, doesn't necessarily mean it can't happen. And if you keep grinding out, if you keep pressing the issue every day, then man, it's going to be great regardless of the situation. It may not be exactly how you pictured it, but it's going to turn out to be great anyways. So, Taj Boyd, for the viewers that's been following you um, and they want to stay in contact with you, how can they contact you? Um, tell you what, on Instagram, I'm at Taj Boyd 10. On Twitter, it's Taj B 10. And then if you want to see uh, the stuff that we're doing in the community, you can go to TajBoyFoundation.com and check that out. But, you know, if anything, man, if somebody want to email me, TajBoyd10 at Gmail, they can DM me. Uh, man, if they just want to talk about something, man, I'm, I'm, I'm down to talk about it, man. Really, at the end of the day, man, if we don't help each other, nobody else will. So, you know, we just got to continue to grind, man, and keep each other in prayers and, and lift it and just continue to make moves from there. This concludes episode 10 of The Process. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and to like us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Thank you. I think the main thing for me was trying to decide on who am I and like what I want to be and how I want to be remembered. Like that was my thing. You know, oftentimes I think about like my legacy and like the mark that I want to leave, not only on the industry, but the effect that I want to leave on people. Being a whole human being, going through my obstacles, going through the things that I'm going through, and not to only broadcast these things, but for it to inspire change.